Good morning, Lakeview Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Williams, and I get to serve as the lead pastor here at Lakeview Church, and whether this is your first Sunday or your thousandth Sunday here, I just want to say how glad I am that you took time out of your weekend to be here with us this morning. And I want to just take a moment and look right in that camera just to welcome our uh, those who are joining us online today, we are so glad that you are here. I know that you're all in a variety of different places today, but you've taken time out of your weekend to be here, and I just want you to know we're glad that you're with us, and we want to welcome you here. So Lakeview Church, can we just say hi to our online audience with a round of applause? Welcome them. You guys get to be in the room and see one another, but there's people sitting literally by themselves at their table or in their recliner, and that applause is just an opportunity for us to reach out to them right where they're at and just let them know that we love them and that we're glad they're with us. I want to just take a moment and say a couple of things. First of all, the choir. Can I get an amen? We are so thankful that Jared has listened to the promptings of the Lord to not join the choir. We've been, we've been praying for a spirit of discernment here at Lakeview, and it seems as if God is answering our prayers. But some of you are out there, and you're better, a better singer than Jared, which isn't hard, but, but you're better than him, and you should be in the choir. And so I want you just to pay attention uh, to the announcements in the bulletin as they're coming up so that you know when those rehearsals are. If you're interested in joining the choir, you can just let us know, and we'll get you in touch with Christina Huff, who is our director does such a wonderful job with the choir, and we want you to be a part of that. We want that choir to grow and develop. So can we just give the choir another round of applause? Also want to just say thank you so much for all of you who made Church at the Y such a great success last week. We had a wonderful time at the YMCA, uh, just a great time of celebration. We had a wonderful uh, picnic, a little hot, a little sunny, but man, it didn't rain. And we're thankful for that because that would have made things a lot more complicated. Uh, There are lots of things that went into making that event successful. Uh, Lots of uh, setup and teardown work and lots of time here in the building getting things prepped and then getting there and getting them prepped there. So many people volunteered trucks and trailers and and helped us move stuff. So grateful for all of that. There were about uh, 10 or 12 people who went out canvassing the neighborhoods around the Y uh, in the days leading up to that event, handing out invitations. Just so grateful for all of the work that went in uh, to making that happen. And uh, we had people obviously there at the event greeting people, welcoming people. Such a wonderful day. And uh, all of that work comes together um, so that people can hear the gospel and they can respond. Last week we had four people respond to the invitation to accept Christ. And just over the last three or four weeks here at Lakeview Church, we've had eight people step across the line of faith. Yeah, that's, that's worth a round of applause. God's at work. He's drawing people to himself. He's doing a work in people's hearts, and we're so grateful. That's why we do what we do. Amen? Uh, I want to kind of launch us into this new series that we're starting this morning. I've been uh, excited about this really since the beginning of the summer uh, as I started praying and and planning for uh, this upcoming fall. uh, I just was asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that we need to focus on? 
And as I started thinking about our church, I, I just, it just became clear to me that we are an everyday church for everyday people. All right, so everyone here is welcome. You can come. It doesn't matter if you know God or you don't know God. It doesn't matter if your life looks like a Christian life or if it's the farthest thing from it. Everyone is welcome here. We're an everyday church for everyday people. And at this church, we believe that every single person is called to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference. We believe that's the call of God for every person. Now, not every person knows that. Not every person recognizes that. Not every person commits themselves to that kind of life. But we believe that that is what God wants for every single person on this planet, that we would follow Jesus, that he would be the one that we fix our eyes on, and that as we follow him, our lives would open up in generosity because Jesus himself is generous. He's a servant. He loves. He gives. And as we follow him, we become like him. We too become generous. And as we live our lives following Jesus and living generously, guess what happens over the course of our lifetime? We make a difference for good and for God. That's the way our lives are intended to be lived. And yet we recognize that in this life, there are things that seek to hold us back, that seek to, to hinder us from the life that God has called us to live, things that weigh us down, things that trip us up, right? The writer of the book of Hebrews makes this really clear as he talks about this in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You see, when the writer of the Hebrews was putting pen to paper to give us those words, he was letting us know that there's a life that God has for us to live, a race that's been marked out for us. And it's our job in this life to discover that race and then run it with endurance. And yet, there are so many things that weigh us down, things that hold us back, things that trip us up as we try to run the race that God has for us. And so as I went into the summer and was beginning to pray and study and prepare these fall messages, I just kept coming back to this question. What would it take for everybody in our church to throw off every weight to get rid of everything that holds us back, every sin that trips us up, and run the race that God has given us to run. What would happen in our lives? What would happen in our church? And what would happen in our community if everybody in our church just threw off every weight and said, we're going to run the race that God has given us to run. We're not going to let anything slow us down. We're not going to let anything trip us up. And that question captivated me at the beginning of the summer as I started planning for the fall. As I started asking myself that question, I kept going back to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, which, which is really Paul's letter. Paul was a first century church leader and he was writing a letter to a group of Christians in Rome. And these, the, these Christians, they were Jews and they were Gentiles, but they had come together under the name of Jesus Christ and they were living as the church in Rome. And Paul writes a letter to them and this letter is a long letter. It's one of Paul's longest letters, in fact. 
It's also one of Paul's hardest letters because it's full of, of content. I mean, Paul is not talking about just surface ideas here. He's gone all the way down to the bedrock of the Christian faith, and he's talking about the foundation of the Christian faith. He's talking about, about kind of the truth and the theology that, that really the Christian faith rests upon. And in this letter, he talks about all kinds of things. He talks about sin, and he talks about God's anger and God's wrath. He talks about grace and God's love. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about how humanity walks away from God and finds itself at odds with God. And yet God, in the middle of that, loves us so much that he sends his son so that we can be forgiven and we can find the right path again. He talks about how when we come to faith in Jesus, we die to our old way of living and we're raised again to new life so that we can live the life that Jesus has for us. He talks about captivity and he talks about freedom. And so as we launch into this new message series today, we're going to be walking the road to freedom that we find in the book of Romans. We're going to spend the next several weeks in the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, and we're going to dig into the content. We're going to let the scriptures speak to us. We're going to let the scriptures guide us and direct us in this journey. And my hope and my prayer for each and every one of us is that as we walk the road to freedom, we will throw off the weight. The things that hold us back, the things that, that try to trip us up, the things that keep us from the life that God has for us, my hope and my prayer is that we would throw those things off so that we can run. Run the race that God has marked out for us to run. And today we're going to jump into Romans chapter 1, but before we do that, I want us to just pray. And I want to ask God to use today and this whole series to help us find freedom. So pray with me, if you will. God, today we just come before you in these moments. We are so very grateful for your presence in this place. We're thankful, God, for the opportunity we have to gather together as your people. And we are thankful for the scriptures. God, as we open ourselves to your word today, would you speak to us? Lord, not, not my words, but your word. Not my truth, not my ideas, your truth. God, that's what we want, that's what we long for, that's what we desire. So would you take this message today, would you take this message series, and would you Guide and direct each and every one of us on the road to freedom. Let these weeks be for us weeks of finding freedom in your name. And for all that you do, God, we are going to give you the thanks and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans chapter 1, we're going to start at the beginning of this letter and, and just kind of think about what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 1. And Lori was so gracious to read for us some of the verses, really the key verses that we're going to focus in on today. But when Paul starts this letter in his introduction to the Christians in Rome, he, he kind of comes to them in chapter 1 and says, there's some good news and there's some bad news. 
Right? Has anybody ever started a conversation with you like that? They, they say, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Right? And then you're thinking like, shoot. Right? Like you don't, you don't want to hear the bad news. You know it's coming though. They've given you the heads up. Right? There's good news and there's bad news. What do you want first? Do you want the bad news or the good news? Well, Paul doesn't really give his readers a choice. He starts with the good news. He launches right into it in Romans chapter 1, and, and he begins to, to tell us about the good news that he has to share. And if you look at Romans chapter 1, what you discover is that Jesus is the good news. Now, I hope there are several things that are helpful for you today, but if you don't hear anything else that I say today, I want you to hear that. Jesus is the good news. Listen, we live in a world today where, where there are lots of problems, lots of issues, lots of challenges. I don't have to spend time convincing you of that. You already know that to be true. And there are lots of proposed answers different philosophies, different ideologies, different things that people would say, this is going to fix it. This is going to change it. This is going to make it better. This is going to improve our world. And while I'm not here to in any way just tear down those ideologies and philosophies, I just want to let you know that there is only one answer for the problems of our world, and his name is Jesus. There is no other name. There is no other name. He is the answer for the problems of our world. Jesus is the good news. And Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. It's going to be on the screen as well. Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. What's Paul saying here? Paul's saying, listen, guys, the good news boils down to this simple reality. Jesus is the good news. He is the good news. Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent by the Father to this earth. God loved us so much, Paul will say later in Romans chapter 5. God loved us even while we were still sinners. He loved us enough to send his Son who would become a sacrifice for our sins. This is the love of God sent by the Father. And Jesus comes willingly and he lives his life on planet earth sinless, even when tempted, doesn't go astray. He stays the course. He lives holy and righteous and blameless, and then he's falsely accused. And they flog him, and then they hang him on a cross, and he dies a criminal's death. They take him down off of that cross. They bury him in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, just as the scripture had prophesied, the Holy Spirit of God goes into that tomb and the power of God raises Jesus from the dead. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, death, hell, and the grave have forever been defeated. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That when we couldn't find freedom, when we couldn't find help for what was wrong in our lives, God sends his son and Jesus lives and he dies and he's raised again so that we can find freedom. This is the good news. But, but have you ever wondered, why did we need good news to start with? Like, what is it that, that caused us to need good news from Jesus? And Paul doesn't leave us with that question in our minds. That's why he comes at the beginning of this letter to say, I've got good news and I've got some bad news. When we get to the second half of Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, what, what Paul starts to do is he starts to unpack what's wrong with humanity. And, and he gets real specific about it later in verse 28 when he's telling us about the good news. But, but here's what I want you to see before we look at these verses. The good news is necessary because there's bad news. See, the reason we need Jesus to, to rescue us is because because there's something wrong with humanity. And Paul makes this clear in the book of Romans. Look at verse 28, where Paul starts to talk to us about the sinful lives that we live. He says, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. And let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. You see, the reality is, is that human beings, we live sinful lives. That's what Paul's saying in this passage. And, and just to be clear, Romans 1 gets used as a passage of scripture to single out a group of people in our culture today to say, look, what you do, your lifestyle, your orientation, it's wrong. And, and no doubt about it, Romans 1 clearly speaks to the sexual ethic of our day. And we, we ignore it at our own peril. Because it is the word of God, and it hasn't changed. And it is true. And it does tell us what is right and what is wrong. But what I will say about those verses in Romans 1 that have been used as a weapon against a group of people in our culture who are not walking where they need to walk with God is that we, we take those verses that talk about the sexual ethic of our day and we lift them out and we use them against a group of people. And what I want you to see is that that was not Paul's intent in Romans 1. Though he was speaking about a clear issue of that day, which persists to this one. Paul was talking about the broader condition of humanity because here's the reality. Your sin is no different from theirs. You see, humanity has a problem and it's not just our sexual ethic. 
Humanity's bigger problem is that we, as human beings, are sinful. We live our lives outside of God's plan for us. And that manifests itself in a lot of different ways, including the way we conduct ourselves sexually. These are real issues, and they are from the Scriptures. But what Paul is telling us is that humanity as a whole went astray. Shows up in a lot of different ways, yes. But at the end of the day, what humanity did is they, they went astray from God's plan for them. And because God is so loving, he led us. He led us. God could have decided that he was going to control our lives, every, every little part and piece of our lives, so that we would be like robots doing exactly what he wanted us to do. Pawns on a chessboard that God was playing with. But that's not what God did. God created us in his own image. And he says to each and every one of us, you can live your life however you want to live it. I have a plan and a purpose and an intention for your life, and I want you to live your life for me, but you can live your life however you want. And that's what humanity has done. Humanity has gone its own way. In fact, since the book of Genesis, when we read about the fall of Adam and Eve, remember God said, whatever you do, just don't eat from these trees. And then what did Adam and Eve do? Eat from the trees, right? It's like when we tell our kids, just don't take a cookie from the cookie jar. What do the kids do? Take a cookie from, when my wife says, don't eat a cookie from the cookie jar, what do I do? I eat the cookie, right? <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the cookie until she said that, and now I want the cookie, right? Ever since the book of Genesis, humanity has gone its own way. And God loves us so much, he lets us. He says, I'm going to respect you. I'm going to respect your right to make whatever decision you want to make. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't want pawns on a chessboard. Because God is not after you just doing exactly what he wants you to do. God wants your love and your affection. And if he's controlling you and making you behave the way he wants you to behave, you would behave in the way he wants you to behave, but it wouldn't really be from a heart of love. You don't really have a choice, do you? Right? God gives us the freedom to choose how we live our lives, and humanity has decided to live off track from God's plan. In fact, the word sin in the book of Romans, as it's used so many times, is the Greek word hamartia. It, it literally means to miss the mark. It, it comes from the, the archer's arena, right? When, when the archer pulls back the bow and sets that arrow on the target, aims at the bullseye, and lets the arrow fly, that arrow, if it's going towards the bullseye, it's on target. It's, it's aimed at the mark. But if that arrow is off target, if it misses the mark that it's intended to hit, that's hamartia. It, it's missing the mark that was set out for it. That's what sin is in our lives. God pulls back our lives, and he lets us go, and he wants us to go on the trajectory he has for us, a trajectory where we look like Jesus, we have love and joy and peace 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He wants us to be the kind of people who reflect the heart of God so that we love and we serve and we give and we minister because we're generous people. And we take everything that God's entrusted to our care. We don't hoard it for ourselves, but we use it to make a difference for good and for God in this world. These are the things that God wants from us. And yet what we find in humanity is that while God had a target he was aiming at, we got off track. And instead of becoming loving and generous and gracious, we've become greedy. We've become envious. We've become combative. We don't love one another like we should. We we hurt one another. We betray one another. We cheat. We we steal. We lie. We're, We're disingenuous. We do all of these things which are not God's plan for our lives. We're missing the mark. And as you can imagine, that saddens the heart of God. If there's anything that you've ever created and you created it for a specific purpose and then someone else comes along and they pick it up and they're like, what's this for? And they just throw it away because they don't see a purpose for it, that, that kind of hurts. And it even hurts when they take that thing which you've created and they use it for something that you did not intend it to be used for. You're like, wait a minute, that's not what I had in mind. It hurts the heart of God when we're off target. And in fact, Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. He actually uses this word. He says that God is angry. God is angry. Now, we don't like to talk about God this way because we, we like a God who's loving, a God who's kind and gentle, a God who's our friend. But I want you to know today that God is holy, righteous, just, true. And when things are outside of his plan and his purpose, while it does sadden him because he loves you, I just want you to know that because God is holy, sin angers him. Angers him. And, and I hope that that feels as uncomfortable to you hearing it as it does for me when I say it. Because that's kind of the point. God says, I, I want you to live this way, and you're living this way. That's not what I planned for you. And he's angry about that. Now, the bad news is that humanity is sinful, right? And when you take sin and you add to that, that the God of the universe is angry at you. This is bad news. We might even call this horrible news. Right? I mean, we are, we are off track from the life that we are intended to live, and the God who created us is mad at us. We're in trouble. We should feel that. We should feel the weight of that reality. And here's what makes it even worse. When I was a kid, my pastor 
Pastor Tom Bunting, he, would always, he always had a saying. He said, if things are worse, just hold on. They might get worser. Now, I know worser is not a word, but it communicates, right? So we've got bad news that's just gotten worse. We're sinners, and God is angry at us, and hold on, it's going to get worser. Because there is not a single thing that you can do to get back on track. Not a single thing. You're not, you're not that strong. You're not that powerful. And no matter how good you become, you're still not good enough to take your life off of this path that's missing the mark and put it back on the path that God has for you. you you're not that good. This is bad news. And now that everyone in the room is thoroughly discouraged... I want to just remind you, but there's good news. And this is what amazes me about Romans chapter 1. God is angry at us because we live sinful lives. We miss the mark. We're off track. And God looks at us and says, you're not living the life I created you to live. And I'm angry at you. And in his anger, he acts with grace. I mean, can you understand that? I can't. When I get angry, I want to lash out. When I get angry, I want them to feel my wrath, right? When God looks down at humanity, and I can only imagine what it must be like to see the reality of the whole world in one second like our God can. To see just how far humanity is off track and to know just how sad and how angry that must make him. And if anyone could in a moment just get rid of us, it's God. I mean, he's capable of that. And yet, when he says, I'll let you do whatever you want to do, and we choose the wrong path, and we go down the wrong road, and we even invent new ways of sinning, as if there weren't enough already, we'll just make up some more. God is angry at us, and in his anger, instead of pouring out wrath, he pours out grace. It doesn't make any sense doesn't make any sense at all. That's why they call it good news. Because you don't deserve to be saved and neither do I. Because we went the wrong way. But God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Doesn't make any sense. But it's good news. Oh, it's good news. Which is why Paul will tell us about the good news 
In Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, he'll tell us that, that the good news is that Jesus Christ rescues us. He saves us from our sin. What we can't do for ourselves, he does for us. He takes us off of the path that's wayward, lifts our lives up, puts us right back on the right path, makes us right with God again, and restores that relationship so that God is no longer angry with us. He loves us. In fact, he gives us the right to be called children of God. And we begin to live for him again. So Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. You see, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, what happens is we are made right again in God's sight. And this saving work, it's, it's by faith from start to finish. The righteous person, that person can only live on the right path, not by your good works, not by anything that you've done. You only live this life through faith. This is the good news. See, here's the reality. Sin leads to God's anger, which is bad news. But, but faith, believing in the work of Jesus Christ, leads to God's grace. And that is good news. You can be saved today. You can be rescued today. And some of you need to hear this. Because you know, you know, even if the people sitting next to you don't know, you know that if we were looking at your life today and we were saying, are you aimed at the target that God has for your life, you would know that you're not. Maybe some of those things are things that you have been doing, the things we read in Romans 1, verses 28 and following, where you just say, you know what, this is, this is it. I'm doing those things. I'm, I'm greedy. I'm envious. I'm, I'm inventing new ways of sinning. You know that. Maybe the people sitting next to you don't know that, but you know that. I just want you to know today, that's not what God created you for. That is not what God created you for. When he created you, he had a plan, an intention, a design for your life, and he aimed your life at that target. He doesn't want you to miss the mark. And if you find yourself today living outside of God's plan, I just want you to know today there's good news. Good news. Jesus Christ has paid the price. He gave his life for you. And all that you have to do today is just put your faith in him. That's it. From start to finish, the Christian life is a life of faith. It's not about the work that you do. You can't do enough good work to save your own soul. You're not that good. But Jesus is that good. And he did all the work for you. And he just simply invites you to put your trust in him. And when you do, he picks you up out of a life of sin he puts you on the right path again. I've asked our team to lead us in a song. And 
This song is going to be familiar to many of you. It may not be familiar to all of you. But this song just proclaims a very simple truth, that, that our God is mighty to save. In other words, he's got the power, the capability to save you. It doesn't matter how far away from God you are today or how long you've gone down the wrong path. I just want you to know today, God is powerful enough to save you. This good news about Jesus, it is the power of God at work saving anyone and everyone who believes, including you. So what I'm going to ask you to do as a congregation this morning is I want to ask everyone to stand. We're going to spend a few minutes singing this song, and some of you who are already walking with Jesus, this is going to be a moment of praise. It's going to be just a remembrance of the path you used to be on and the new path that God put you on, and you're going to just be able to sing this as a song of praise. But some of you, this is a song of commitment because you actually need the power of God to save you in this moment. And I'm going to ask you to do something incredibly bold. It's going to take some courage. But I want you to know that as you take the step I'm going to ask you to take, that I'm going to meet you right right down here. Because I want to help you step across the line of faith. I want to help you, I want to help you change paths today. I want to help you find the rescuing, saving work of our God. So as we sing this song, if you're on the wrong path and you want to move to the right one, all I want to ask you to do is step out right from where you're at and just find your way right down here to the front. You're welcome to kneel or stand. It's completely up to you. But I want to just invite you to to come to the front of this room and we would love to pray. This is not a condemning moment. This is not a look down on you moment. We're going to celebrate with you. We're going to celebrate with you as you take the steps God's asking you to take. So I want to pray for each and every one of us and then we're going to sing this song. So let's pray together. God, right now in this moment, there are people in this room who need to be saved. And your power is here in this room to save them in this moment. Would you give them now the courage to have faith and to express that faith by coming to the front of this room so that we can pray with them and for them and help them begin their journey on the new path you have for them. We give you these moments now and we pray these things in Jesus' name. As we sing this song this morning, if you need to change paths, come and meet me down front here and I'll pray with you.